This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick a Luke Podcast, episode 559, brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com right now and enter code iFanboy at checkout to claim your free trial set and free post-shave balm. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy. And by Loot Crate. Be the envy of your friends and get your 100% exclusive crates at lootcrate.com slash iFanboy. Enter code iFanboy to save $3 off any new subscription. And iFanboy listeners just like you.
I need a drink Or two Or three Hello, welcome to that Fanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 559. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hey there. Josh Flanagan is on assignment. He's, he's on walkabout. He's somewhere in this great great country that we call the United States. We sent him out States. to find about real America. We sent him out to find himself to really get, get back in touch with comics. <laughs> Maybe he'll mellow a little bit. We are iFanboy. We like comics. If we read about your comics, one of us picks their favorite book called Pick of the Week. We talk about that book as well as other comics that came out, other listener mail. The show's getting jam-packed, Ron, is what I'm saying. It is. We have a lot of segments. Remember the old days when the show was 25 minutes long? We just talked about comics. <laughs> the good old days 10 years ago. No, that was 2015. 2005, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> this week, oh, spoiler warning. It's a review show, so there'll be some spoilers. So you're, it's all on you now. We've, we've abdicated responsibility with this, with this warning. Ron. You had the pick of the week this week. Yes, I did. And uh, this week was, you know, like you said, it's it just there's so many comics out on a weekly basis. It's yep. it's it's better and worse than ever. Um, I can't get below 20 no matter how hard I try. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, there was a couple of books that when I was looking at the list of what was coming out, I was like, oh, it could be that one. It could be that one. You know, I was getting, getting prepared as I'm doing my research. But every now and then a book just jumps out. And in what uh, can only be explained as an exhausting week, the, the moment of brevity and – is it brevity or levity? Levity. Levity. The moment of levity uh, that brought a smile to my face uh, was Silver Surfer number seven. Uh, the combined storytelling talents of Dan Slott and Mike Allred with colors by Laura Allred as usual um, brought a great like and I gotta I gotta give it to you Connor because you're the one who got me reading the series um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I I wouldn't say I'm a Silver Surfer fan but I've read Silver Surfer in the past I'm familiar with the character um, I am an Allred fan and I, I try to read everything Mike Allred does but um, for whatever reason when this first launched I missed it and then you said hey you gotta check it out so I've been reading it ever since and um, this is a standalone issue you could pick it up having not knowing anything um if you just want to read a nice fun cosmic romp uh basically all you need to know and they tell you in the recap page on the first on the first page but you know silver surfer's got an earth girlfriend named dawn greenwood and they're traveling the stars and uh this issue picks up where silver surfer is showing her all the great things that the universe has to offer but he's uh, protecting her, he's shielding her from some of the rougher parts of the universe, uh, taking right. her to just the, the fun spots, uh, the fun planets, including you know a planet uh, where the trees are cotton candy and another planet that's made of ball pits. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, <laughs> the trampoline world, where everything's bouncy. It, exactly. Kind of like Star Wars, where every planet has one, yeah. one climate. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. But... Um, uh, and so she, Dawn's not, Dawn's not stupid. So she quickly realizes that he's doing that. He's sheltering, sheltering, sheltering her from this. So she says, you know, I want to go somewhere dangerous. So he says, okay, throws some Kirby crack ladder, gives her a, a cocktail dress and they go to the intergalactic casino, uh, the casino. Who cos- says I want to go somewhere dangerous? <laughs> yeah. Like I, maybe somewhere more interesting. Sure. Maybe somewhere with real trees, but take me to the 
it's a rougher part of town. Who says right. that? I, guess I can understand small. that. I mean, there there are times when I go to a city, I'm like, all right, the the, the gentrified area is nice, but I want to go where the people are. You know, like it's. <laughs> um, so they go to the they go to the co- the the casino Cosmico, um, and this is not your typical casino. And we find out very quickly when we see Mephisto uh, in a bet with someone, and Mephisto loses. So if even the devil can lose in this casino, you know the stakes are high. Um, and sure enough, well, he was he was he was a fiddle off, and the guy who has. Has nine arms, so well, he, he can play multiple known. fiddles. Yeah, he should have known. He should, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he didn't do his research. He didn't look under that cloak to find another guy had nine arms under that cloak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so while they're hanging out at the casino, they're having a blast. They're winning. They're drinking. And then, like any trip to a casino, it goes too far. And uh, and <laughs> and both Dawn and uh, the Silver Surfer get in over their head. Um, and what I thought was really, it was really a clever approach because you get the idea of gambling. It's one thing for gambling for money because this is cosmic and money doesn't really matter. Um, things happen where Dawn loses the ability to see the color red, uh, which I feel like is one of our superpowers. But <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> hold on for later. <laughs> exactly. And then um, Silver Surfer loses B's, the letter B from his alphabet. <laughs> so he, everything he says doesn't have a B in it. <laughs> um, I liked. Yeah, I, it was. I like that they got in over their heads. I like that they got the bug. Yep. Silver Surfer got addicted to the action. Yep. He he, he gold he gold plated himself. Yeah. So he was <laughs> he was the gold surfer for a while, uh, but then he started losing everything. He lost his board. Yeah, he lost as the board, lost which, is, the, which is which is major, right? Yeah. He lost, as you said, lost. She lost the ability to see red. He lost the bees. I mean, it was it got silly, but in a good way. And then, of course, you find out that that the grandmaster, the game master, grandmaster, grandmaster, game master, grandmaster, grandmaster. Yep. I was right the first time. Grandmaster is actually the owner of the casino, and he, he, uh, he, he goes head to head with Silver Surfer. And I thought this was a this was a really fun. I mean, this whole series has been great, but uh, this was a great issue and a great showcase for All Red, uh, both All Red's art. Yep. Um, the cover was amazing, and I don't. I never really look at the covers, but that was a well, great that- cover. It was just. Just a really great issue. Yeah, that, I mean that's the thing is that like I almost feel like it's it's interesting because you know Dan Slott has a has a kooky way about him you know and and right. while I've ridden the waves with him both up and down over on Spider Man it seems as if the whole uh, the whole mission of the Silver Surfer book is just fun it's fun it's wonder. It's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of course cosmic, but it's also you know outlandish and and amazing and enough to make you you know kind of. Um, just he realized that it's otherworldly, which is which is great. Um, and part of that has been Mike Allred and Laura Allred just having the time. You can tell they're having the time of their lives in this book. Um, right. You know, I mean, I've been a huge Allred fan since the 90s, since when I first discovered Mad, Ma- Mad Man. And um, I still can't say Mad Man. Mad Men just kills me. Um, but, uh, you know, to see the inventiveness of aliens and locations and backgrounds and all this sort of stuff, the complete art package that the All Reds bring to this and the importance of color um, with Laura's, you know, who always colors um, uh, Mike All Reds' work. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it just, it's the kind of thing you sit back and you read and like, this, this is fun comics. This is what it's about. This is why we're here. This is why we started the podcast, why we started the site. These are the kind of things that make you smile, that say, you know, hey, you know, this doesn't, you know, this isn't telling, there isn't a morality play going on here. There's no, you know, gambling is bad or anything like that. It's just, it's, you know, it's a hero in the form of Silver Surfer going at wits with the Grandmaster, who's a celestial, you know, like, and the right. stakes are high, and, and it shows you that even these characters can have fun, and even comics can be, you know, can be um, lighthearted. 
uh, which is then, nice to be reminded yeah, of. You know, the you know we we struggle with Dan Slott's tone in Spider Man. It's not really a tone I'm looking for anymore, but it works perfectly here. Yeah, absolutely. I you know you know not every tone is right for every character, but this sort of wacky. Uh, it feels very throwback without being a throwback, and I don't even mean that with the art because the art, you know, the All Reds have that throwback style. But it feels like a kind of a throwback Marvel comic. You could you could have read this book in the '60s or the '70s. Oh yeah, this this could this could have completely. I mean, and Slot is a is a devout Stan Lee uh, disciple. You know, so right. this is this screams Stanley '60s Fantastic Four s kind of you know one issue. You know, when when you read that Fantastic Four omnibus, and there's a whole lot of single issues in that in that comic before they start sure. telling multi issue stories. And uh, this is the kind of thing where it's like, well, what if we put him in a casino in space? And you know, and you know right. that you know that Kirby would just go you know crazy with the aliens and that sort of thing. And it's great to see that legacy living on in the form of this book with Slot and Allred kind of channeling Stan and Jack the best way they can. But like you said, yeah, it feels like throw back but not retro it feels you right. know, like it just it's has the values of those 60s comics but done with today's sensibility um you know and you know like there and the little there are little little easter eggs throughout it you know which i think is you know was important and cute and shows the attention to detail um at one point uh the 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 green guy what impossible man um, mm-hmm. He's he's there, or or somebody from one from his planet is there in a purple suit in the background. Like it's just right. little, neat little things like that, and and ultimately the 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 resolution happens in a page. And I was kind of like, ah, that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch. But that's the point of this story. It's like the you know the our heroes win. He outsmarts the Grandmaster, um, who sweats very profusely, and uh, big big sweat, big drops of sweat. Not even like a yeah. lot of sweat, but like thick. Yeah. And it's a, but and also it's, he gets outsmarted a, a lot for a guy calling himself the Grandmaster. Right, right. You know, <laughs> he never seems to actually do the outsmarting. Yeah, and and what's funny is that like it's so clear the Silver Surfer is bluffing. They're basically playing poker, and they we and in a nice little bit of design we get to see their hands. And right. Silver Surfer's got nothing. He's got nothing. He's got, well, he's two, got a pair of jacks. He's yeah. got a pair of jacks. Yeah, but but the Grandmaster's got an ace and two kings. I don't even know poker, and I know that's better. Um, but uh, yes. Silver Surfer goes to bluff and, and bets the Grandmaster. They're, they're betting all these. They keep upping the stakes and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then they risk it all. And uh, Silver Surfer lays down the, the wager that the uh, game, the Grandmaster, has to give up games. Right. And that's too much. It's a bridge too far, and he folds. So. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's risky. Yeah, it is. That's why I don't gamble. So, it uh, and it is a one shot, but there is even there's a little bit of a thread going through in that there's there Don and the Silver Surfer are being observed by some invisible guy who yeah. is saying that this is the begin this this point is the beginning of the end for them. And I don't know what that means. Don't know who this guy is. But uh, these are have the for the most part these these stories have been one shots. There's been some multi multi-story issues but for the most part it's just been one one and done but uh you know don greenwood's not going to be his girlfriend forever so at yeah. some point they're gonna have to reset the silver server so Fair it on. looks like they may be ending toward it is interesting though that this book so now we're on the second volume of this with the same team normally yep you know you switch up teams when you switch the volumes up but this is i think the first volume went 12 issues or so and now we're on issue seven. Like maybe we'll get another twelve out of this. Well, and, that, uh, and, that, and that's the and that's the thing about this is that um, you know we're going to talk about this later in the show. But with with Marvel and DC pumping out the books on a bi monthly basis, rotating artists in and out, and and if you ask me, removing the identity of a lot of the books in doing that. 
Um, it's nice to see a book that is shipping monthly with the same creative team because it's the kind of thing like you're not going to get a fill-in for Mike Allred. I'm sorry. No, I don't want to read yeah. this book with Mike without someone yeah. without Mike Allred. Yeah. So, so it's it's right to it's right to do that. It, this is the right and the thing is, Silver Surfer doesn't need to ship twice a month. And you know, it's important that Marvel keeps doing books like this on, on the shelves because this is true to Marvel spirit. Um, you know, so it's nice to see. And if they're going to wrap it up because they're going to do a nice run and and you know we're on seven. If they go twelve and we get twenty four issues of this, that's that. I mean, that's the most you can ask for in this. Uh, current climate so totally yeah it was great great issue yep so uh all new all different avengers number 15 are, are you did you stick with this at all or am i the only one no, no, i've never read it yeah okay well so this is mark yeah. wade uh and and one of the reasons why i've been keeping on reading this even though i haven't been loving the series is because um every other that artist rotation uh mahmoud asrar asrar has been in that rotation who i who i think he's great um but uh this issue was drawn by adam kubert which is no no slouch and right. this was really surprising, Connor, in that um, I give it like a, I give it a ninety five percent great rating, um, and I'll tell you why why I ding it. Um, but this is it has the Civil War two cover uh, treatment, and if you ask me, this is how you take a big book and have it interact with the big crossover. And of okay. course, Mark Wade knows how to do this. Um, but basically, it's female Thor goes to the Rainbow Bridge and goes to Heimdall and says, "Hey, Midgard's at war with each other. I don't know what to do." And Heimdall goes, "Oh yeah, let me tell you a story." And mm-hmm. this is a total flashback to the original Avengers. Iron Man with the pointy yellow mask and and Captain America and Thor and Wasp and Giant Man. And it's basically, and Heimdall tells a tale of the Avengers that was very similar where they, Dr. Doom was making a play for a country next to Latveria. They wanted to intervene. They didn't know what to do. Thor went to Heimdall and said, can you use your sight and show me what I should do? And he did. And turns out while they won the battle, they lost the war. Um, and it's a really, really elegant story, r- elegantly told, you know, like you you understand that, okay, Heimdall told Thor the information he's looking for, that they could beat Doctor Doom, but he doesn't tell him the full story and that in doing so, it would destroy the economy of the country that they were fighting in and eventually they'd have to just surrender to Doom anyway or else, you know, suffer the fate of, of you know, poverty and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and it was a great story in the context of like, this is illustrating what's going on with civil war that sometimes you can know what happens, but you don't know the full ramifications. Um, right. It was great illustration. looked great. Classic Avenger story again, throwbacky. And this is where I ding it because at the very <coughs> beginning of the story, the art changes from um, kind of like a faded flashbacky kind of coloring. Uh, Paul Mouse is the color. Mm-hmm. Um, and they show the Avengers at the at the table and they're going over the plans and, and they're setting the stage and um, they're trying to decide what to do. And, um, you know, Giant Man uh, says that him and Wasp are concerned about the international implications of getting involved. You know, like what if this country hasn't asked us to be involved? What, who are we to do a global skirmish? And right. Captain America says, forget official channels. Rick Jones's shortwave... And then Tony interrupts him and says, and whispers, social media. And then Cap says, whatever has been filled with cries for help from the people. No other moment in the story is modern in any other way. So why do that? Right? I just downloaded it now, and I, I don't even know if I'm going to open it. Uh, well, open it. Go to, go to yeah, I want you to see this. Go, uh, go to page five, um, and it's in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah, I see it. 
and like nowhere else in the story do you get a sense that this is taking place now or it's modern or anything like that at all. It keeps the throw. It keeps the the face. It should be. It should feel timeless. It should feel timeless. And and yeah. and and maybe don't use shortwave radio, but don't nudge nudge wink wink to me in the audience to be like, I know we're in the twenty first century, and it would be social media right. if we were telling it now. Like, ah, oh, come on, Mark Wade, you're better than that. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Anyway, but other than that, it was great, and it was a great way to interact with the with the crossover. I thought. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, well. Let's move into Civil War Two, number six, which yes. is uh, Brian Bennett, David Marquez, and it. I mean, the biggest story could be that that Carol's hair is getting bigger and bigger. Her pompadour is getting crazy, and Leon and, is getting larger. <laughs> um, but. It's losing a lot of its luster because there was another book this week. Which one was it that took place after Civil War? Oh, really? um, that I read. I don't remember which one it was, but it's like this. This keeps happening with Marvel events, where for whatever was it, reason, was it Ultimates? It was the Ultimates. Yes, it was the Ultimates. So this it keeps happening with ever for whatever reason Marvel with Marvel books is they can't let the story play out. They have to keep the train rolling. So and then the main story always ends up being late. So that by the time it ends. You already know. You already know the ending, or you, or you already know what's going to happen. So it's like I don't feel any urgency reading this like I did in the beginning, because I mean I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I know what's happening after. Right. And and this also and and Bendis has been very outspoken about the schedule about Civil War and addressing it. And it's Dave Marquez and his wife welcomed a baby to the world. And I, this is the first issue where uh, the art suffered. I thought. Um, there was a couple of panels and there's a couple of uh, drawings, stuff like that, where it's like, oh, this looks rushed, um, which I get, you know, because all eyes are on you and that sort of thing. But um, the inverse of what you're talking about was, I mean, this issue was, you know, for having a cover of Spider-Man stabbing Captain America with the shield, a whole lot of nothing happened in this issue. This was the patented Bendis, everyone's going to talk about what just happened issue. Mm-hmm. And... Furthermore, we get a scene with Ms. Marvel and young Cyclops and, and young Nova talking and saying how they're, they're not cool with what's going on. And we see the Riri Williams, the new Iron Man, yeah. and you get and get a weird feel like shoehorned in moment where they're like where the, the, the young heroes meet her and like you were great out there. Oh, thanks. You yeah. were, too. And I was like, I don't remember her being there. Like, I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I was confused when she showed up. I yeah, didn't know she it was. Friend. Very weird. Very, very weird. The whole thing is very, very weird. And they're they're trying to shoehorn in things left and right um, to get where they want to go. And they're not taking the, uh, if you ask me, they're not taking the proper care and telling a good story, which is sad. I I get that what Ulysses does is not just show them a vision of what's going to happen, but he makes them feel as if they were there and it happened. Yeah. But, like, you still wake up in the vision and realize that, you didn't kill Captain America. He's not dead. I don't know why they're so traumatized by these. Right, issues. and why Spider Man's going to go? And, and the issue ends with Miles Morales going to the Capitol, like standing on the foot of the Capitol, where the whole thing happens. So, right. like, I, you know, who knows where he's going to take this? Um, you know, and it sucks that we know ultimately what happens long term, but we don't. You know, like there's still two right. more issues. There's still two more issues to go, and I'm still curious to see where it's going to go. But to this point, this has not been uh, a great event, unfortunately. It started off, I thought, strongly, um, yep. but it has not progressed well. A lot of, the schedules hurt it a lot, but yep. um, that is just what events are now. Yep. I don't know. I mean, I guess they sell well enough. They got to keep doing them, but I, they don't. They don't seem to do anything for the zeitgeist or the or the overall story of the world. Right. Agreed. 
And if any, they, they used to, and they don't do it anymore. Yeah, if anything, they they just really impact everything else. You know, and it's and it's nice to see that you know while all, all new, all different Avengers handled it well. You know, other books I read, it was all over the map this week. You know, like um, you know, Ultimates gave stuff away, had stuff. Captain America, Steve Rogers had stuff. You know, there was just you know stuff woven in, and it got to the point where I read a book like Silver Surfer or the next book we're going to talk about with the Vision, and I'm mm-hmm. delighted to, to not see Civil War. <laughs> so let's talk about the Vision number twelve. Tom King, Gabriel Walta, Jordi Belair. This is the final issue of the 12-issue series. Um, I'm really interested, interested to talk about this, Ron, because in issue one came out. Josh made it his pick of the week. You were vehemently against the pick. Yeah. And I, I was in the middle because I, I liked the craft. I didn't know if I wanted to read a story of the vision as uh, the main character in American Beauty. Right. However, over the course of the 12 issues, it won me over. I think this was one of the best series that Marvel put out or anybody put out in the last year. Um, so what what is your overall take on the series before we dive into the actuals? Um, I'm similar to you. I mean, I thought the first issue was I was I was admittedly I was hard on the first issue um, because I, I believe I compared it to the Coneheads, um, <laughs> uh, and it definitely did. <laughs> right? <laughs> you might have. You, that sounds um, like something you would do. Yes. But it definitely did get more interesting, and I definitely gave it. You know. Uh, I, I give it its credit and its due um, for doing something different in this marketplace and telling a different kind of story, a very cerebral, you know, fucked up kind of, you know, kind of yeah. approach to it. Um, I do think that it, be- and I, I don't mean this to be harsh, and I don't mean this to come off by saying it's overrated, um, but I do think it benefited from the lack of quality elsewhere in the industry right now. Because if you're looking at what books are coming out, especially from Marvel and DC, there are no other books that are doing something as different or as challenging as this. And again, single writer, single creative team, single vision. Uh, See what I did there? (laughs) Um, You know, uh, which is great. uh, But um, ultimately, I I mean, I've I've read, you know, I I think it was very, very interesting and very unique and very special for what's going on right now. Um, But it's not, you know, like it wasn't, you know, it's not mouse, you know, so. Right. Well, you know, not everything is going to be mouse. Right. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, But, you know, at times people made it out like it's a second coming. And to be honest, this is really just the the next. I mean, this is this is whatever in 2016's Hawkeye. Yeah, you know? which is good. Yeah, which I mean, is good. Yeah, but and then and of course, conversely, it it doesn't. It's not selling. I mean, like it's it's doing like twenty twenty two thousand copies per issue. You know, like it's not a it's not a huge hit, but um, you know, but it's an important book, and I'm glad that they published it. I'm glad, and and this is the kind of thing that these twelve issues, when it's put together in, you know, in that in that thick trade paperback, you can hand it yep. to somebody here. Here, read this. This is different than anything else out there. Um, so yeah, said, I, did it said, did it, do you think it stuck, stuck, stuck the Marvel, landing? Or? One last point for that. Marvel doesn't really have those kind of books. So this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day because we're doing the, those books explodes now. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do next? And and I was trying to think of a Marvel book. But, there, you know, we've always said that Marvel doesn't really do standalone stories that you can hand in a trade paperback. Right. It's always part of the Usually it's always part of the giant tapestries. This is one of those stories that you can review as, as a single 12 issue story um now i'd say the only ding to this which is not anything to do with the creative team or this book is that they are like hawkeye going to try to incorporate this into the larger marvel universe we've already seen his daughter in the in champions book yep and that happens here where this this is the the end of the story vision's wife drinks the poison water that's the sculpture and she dies and 
And uh, the, the son's dead, the dog's dead, the wife's dead. It leaves Vision and his daughter uh, to pick up the pieces. And uh, it ended well. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a quiet ending, but it's been a quiet book. That's the tone. I think it fit the tone of the book. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the I think the tone of the book was good. I think it ended the only really like there like from from the get go when all the shit started hitting the fan. I realized that there's no way for Vision's wife to get through this. You right. know, um, oh, and, no, I, right. and yeah. I and I think you know the the dynamic between him trying to protect her and and um, the dynamic between him trying to protect her and her uh, taking responsibility for her actions was really mature. Um, I thought the very beginning of her confession to the police, you know, was a little cop outy in terms of story progression, kind of wise. You know, like kind of retelling everything that's happened and and you know, kind of summing it up. But I get how it's working the device, and I get that's when then what she's referring. You know, she's like, "Have you heard my recording?" And he said, "Yes." You know, um, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is a sad, sad, somber story. And like the 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 art, I mean, just the the uh, Walta and Belair uh, working together between the art and the colors just really set the tone and was such a superstar of this book. So yeah, it, it's unique, definitely unique. And I I'm glad I read it. I was I don't think I was originally going to read it until Josh made the pick. I'm glad I did. Um, I really liked the scene with Scarlet Witch and the daughter. Okay. Scarlet Witch has has been this weird element. She showed up what three quarters of the way through or so. Um, she's got it, you know. She's she's Vision's ex wife, so right. she's uh, she's important. And I, now Vision's got a daughter. The you know, they, and they they never got to have their kids, or they yeah. did, and they were gone. So, you know, what does that mean for her? And then, then there's a new dog. And yeah, is he rebuilding his son? Yes, I believe he's re- he's rebuilding the son at the end. Yeah, I, that's what I that's what I assumed. Yeah, because he's smaller, right? And it's kind of yeah. you know. Um, that and, that, and that was creepy. That was when the when Vision tell the panel right before we see the sun, where the Vision tells the dog to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, that was creepy, so creepy. That's um, why I thought it would ended perfectly because the tone of this book has been creepy the whole yeah, way through. Yeah. So it ends, of course, with creepy Vision re- rebuilding his son in the yeah, in, in I guess whatever room he's in. But I, um, I did I did like the I did I did like the scene between the daughter and Wanda, and I like how Wanda referred to like your, your handsome father. You know, like, yeah. you know, like that was it. It shows because I feel like we've moved on from that relationship, and people just don't, you know, like, and, and that, that people was, don't think of it at all. Yeah, yeah, that was a major, major thing um, for both characters. So, yeah. Listen, he's back on the market. You can't. You got to move quick when a high quality, <laughs> you know, slides. person gets back on the market. You got to, you got to swoop in there. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, did you read the little essay in the back? Uh, no, I did not. It's just a short thing. Each each creator did like a little uh, little yeah. piece, and yeah. Tom King talked about how. You know, he was a uh, stay-at-home suburban dad for a, trying to build a writing career for a while, while his wife worked and he raised their two kids. So it felt very much like Channel. he took he took his experience, dialed the weirdness level way up, way up, and, and imported it into a Android yeah. family. So that I thought it was I thought it was a really good series. Yeah. So congratulations to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman's seventy-fifth anniversary special was probably my pick of the week. Um, Again, wasn't necessarily going to read this because I didn't know what it was. I just figured it was going to be a bunch of reprints, and it turned out it wasn't. No, um, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was uh, a tour de force, in fact. Yeah, I was really happy. Obviously, I loved it. It, I mean, you had first of all, I love you know, Wonder Woman's a great character. I love Wonder Woman. This was a, this was one of those retrospectives where you you get a, all these different short stories by all these different creators, bunch of plus a bunch of pinups. Um, but you had people working on Wonder Woman you, I've never seen, like Raphael Albuquerque, and, and you yeah. had a Carl Kershaw story, and you had uh, Fabio Moon's story, 
Um, you had a great Hope Larson story. So uh, I thought these are all little like you know short three or four page little 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 Wonder Woman tales, and yeah. they were great for for the most part. There's always hit and miss stuff when you have an anthology like this, but the Al- the Albuquerque story set set in World War II and the week that kicks it off was really great. I love the Fabia Moon one. Um, the, I love the Hope Larson one. I thought you know Rucka did a short, Rucka did a text piece that actually. I, I didn't read. I didn't. I, I have to confess. I didn't make it for the show. Yeah, the, the interview. The interview. Yeah. Yep. I really want to. It's a lowest lane interview. One woman. I really, really want to read it. I just in order to get this done for the show, I didn't get a chance to read it because it's long. But uh, yeah. it, I like this a lot. The art was great. They, they had a lot of really great pinups. Um, I even liked the, the Jim Lee cover. I thought the Jim Lee cover was really good. This was just if you're a Wonder Woman fan, I think this is probably makes you really happy. Yeah, I, I mean, like, and what I thought was really interesting about this was that a that it was packed. But the names associated with this, and what was really interesting to see so many artists, you know, like you had, a, you know, Raphael Albuquerque, Carl Kershaw, um, uh, Liam Sharp, Fabio Moon, who, who does a little both, but like uh, Jill Thompson doing both writing and drawing. Like that was well, really kind of cool. Well, the Jill Thompson's an excerpt from her Wonder Woman OGN, which, which is out now. Yeah. Um, which yeah. makes you and I want to read it because I, I like that one a lot too. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, so the combination of to see so many kind of artists giving their take. Riley Rossmo. Yeah, Riley. Well, right, yeah, but but he didn't write it. But he yeah he did. Then to see different kind of artists like Riley Rossmo, like um, you know you know uh, you know Raymond Back Box, uh, you know, and, and seeing Liam Sharp who's our, who's on the current book do a nice little story. It was great. But also to see so many women, um, both in writing and drawing, because Wonder Woman is such an icon. Um, it was just it was a Colleen great. Colleen Doran did a, did yeah. a the, Gail the Simone, yeah, Gail Simone and yeah. Colleen Doran did stuff together. Re, Renee the Liz wrote and drew something. Uh, Marguerite, uh, the, the Marguerites, Marguerite Bennett wrote for Marguerite Savage. So like that was really cool to see that kind of this collection of creators come through and do like what is really a a, a really nice honoring of Wonder Woman on her seventy fifth anniversary. So yeah, I, did it, did you do this for for Batman? I did I, I miss this? I don't remember. I I don't know. Because I think now I just sort of look beyond these because yeah. the, the big oversized anniversary uh, anthology used to be a thing. This this yep. in the past would have been Wonder Woman seven hundred or whatever. And I think they did this with Wonder Woman six hundred. Actually, they did do this with Wonder Woman six hundred. Yep. But usually it happens in the in the comic itself. So when it's a special, I just assume it's repackaged material. So I didn't even look at it, right. uh, and I was wrong. So there you yep. go. So if, if you thought the same thing, you did pick it up. There's a do it. Yep. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. And if and if you know that if they did this for Superman or Batman and I missed it, please please leave a comment and let me know so I can go back and find it because <laughs> I really did like it a lot. Um, but uh, let's take a break real quick and talk about Harry's. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. And what was interesting about this is when they approached us, I don't think I remember that all three of us are Harry's customers to begin with. We are. Yes, and have been. So I thought, oh, well, this will follow me because I'm a Harry's, Harry's guy. I've been a Harry's customer for a couple of years. And then Josh and Ron were like, oh, but so are we. So it was we were pr- pretty easy to talk about uh, <laughs> our experience with Harry's. So I used to be a Dollar Shave Club guy. That, like what everybody was when they came, came out. And I used their razors for a couple of years. And I used to always cut my head. I don't know if you know or not, but I have shaved head. <laughs> and I would cut my head a lot. And when you cut your head a lot, you bleed a lot. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. But uh, – when I when Harry's came out, I decided I'd try, give them a shot because it seemed more upscale, and that's what I did. And and I haven't looked back. I love Harry's. I have my my monthly shipment. I get new blades every month, and I, you know, that means I get a new blade every week. That means I don't ever really have a dull blade to work with. I and I uh, I 
I really like it. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Harry's. Ron, do you? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I've I've never looked back. Uh, for me, it was the value proposition, just the fact that yeah. Harry's is so much more affordable compared to the other ones out there. I hated having to go to Walgreens and get someone to unlock the cabinet to give oh, me God. razors like a criminal. Yeah, it was just like yeah. so. Um, just the fact that they 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 ship them to your house super quickly and the quality is great. And it's really interesting because we have very different shaving needs. I mean, like you mentioned, you're shaving your head, but you have a beard. You know, Josh has a beard and just trims. I go clean shaven, but I have sideburns, right? So, like, you know, so we are a nice uh, whatever mid- your hair needs. Yeah, <laughs> Harry's got it. So, yeah. Uh, so, but I'll tell you a little about Harry's. Harry's uh, big razor companies have the annoying habit of putting out new models and raising their already high prices, as, as Ron just said. Not only do you have to act like a criminal when you want to get your blades, but they cost like $35 for, ridiculous. for four blades. Yep. Uh, so unlike those guys, Harry's doesn't believe in upcharging, which is why they made their razors even better, and they're keeping the prices exactly the same. Harry's have five-blade razors. They now include softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide, a trimmer blade for hard-to-reach places, lubricating strip, textured handle for more control when it's wet. The, and those new, uh, these new uh, razors that they've got with that, I just discovered the trimmer blade, and I was going to tell you, my sideburns have never been happier. No. Well, I was so they sent us the the new the new handle, yeah, and yeah. I, I've been I've been on you know I, I had the Palm Springs set, Ron. Okay, I oh, an, arist- an aristocrat. Yeah, so I had the, the I, which, which is strangely the same color as the one I got in the new is that that orange color. Yep. And uh, as I like, I love it, but also as I said, when your hands wet, I, on occasion I have shaved up on the back of my head, and the blade has gone flying across the bathroom. Because <laughs> it was super smooth, but the new blades they just they sent us the textured handle. That that eliminates that problem. I was very happy to see that because I have, I have gone searching for the blade somewhere in the reaches of my bathroom whenever it's gone flying away. But <laughs> Harry's is great. Still, just two dollars per blade compared to four dollars or more you pay to pay at a drugstore. And by owning the factory in Germany where they make the blades, Harry's can produce high quality razors themselves and sell them online for half the price. The the blades are so good they own the factory. Yeah, that's crazy. And in Germany, yeah. as you know, and I remember when they first came out, they had a little video showing you how they how they machined the blades. It was cool. So here's your special offer. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they'll send you their f- popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, five blade cartridge, and shaving gel. Free when you sign up for a shave plan. Just pay the shipping. Plus, there's a special offer for iFanboy listeners. Enter code iFanboy at checkout to get a post shave balm added to your order for free. I don't even have a post shave balm, so you guys get something <laughs> I don't even have. Jerks. <laughs> so what you do is uh, go to H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Right now, enter code iFanboy at checkout to claim your free trial set and your post-shave balm. That's harrys.com, code iFanboy. Yes, and Harry's is the best. We thank them for their support. I love Harry's. Harry's is great. Um, you know what I also love? I love uh, Jerome Pena's artwork. Uh, yes. It's, it's just not it's not even fair sometimes. And uh, Seven to Eternity, number two, came out. Uh, story by Rick Remender. And uh, I may not know what's going on, but it sure looks pretty. <laughs> um, no, I had no. a better time with this than the first one. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of getting to it. And Rick, tease, Rick teases in the back, or, or Sebastian, the editor, I forget who actually wrote it, but in the back of the, in the letters page, they said, you know, the, it takes a major turn next issue. But uh, we get a little more idea of, of the conflict between our hero and the villain, and get a little backstory. And, you know, this is like, I, I, this is fantasy, but it's, this, is oh, it's, un, this is unlike anything else I've read, and that's great. Um, it's definitely fantasy, but it's, it's, but it's, a, it's, it's unlike any other fantasy. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's great. But uh, so I love it. I, I just I, I, I drank this in and, and it tasted delicious. <laughs> Detective Comics 943 I wanted to mention because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, so they're dealing with the fallout 
everyone in the book seems thinks that Tim is dead, right? We talked about this in the show before. Uh, Tim seemed to have sacrificed his life. We found out we found out the next issue that he's actually being held captive and he's not dead, but everyone else thinks he's dead. So you've got uh, a lot of it's ha- falling on Stephanie's shoulders because she was his girlfriend, and that, that's all been really good. But there's two things that st- stood out to me in issue issue, issue one. So Tim gets the honorary, uh, you know, memorial in the Batcave, you know, as we've seen for years, the, the Jason Todd costume in the, in the glass case kind of thing. But it, normally we see them, they just sort of, st- you know, the costume just sort of standing straight on a mannequin kind of thing. And here he's, his mannequin's in an action pose in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the cylinder. Right. Which I thought was weird. Like, how did he pick the pose? How long did he, did he decide, <laughs> how long did he spend... Deciding which which was the appropriate action pose, like he's holding his, his staff in the thing, and he's got like a little jaunty thing going on with his knees. Did Alfred present him with a couple of options, or did he have a p- bunch of presets in the three D printer for the for the mannequin? Like, <laughs> you've, re- kind of you've really you've really thought about this. <laughs> I did. I actually stopped reading, and I was like, huh, because you know, part of my job, I designed a statue, a couple of, or helped design it, and I helped I advised on the statue design of a. Collectible figure, and it takes a long time to pick out the right pose for the for the person you're you're trying to you make you know to display, and you know I'm just wondering how long he spent actually figuring that out. All that's right. all I want. That's and the other thing is that um, Batwoman's a little shrill in this issue. She and I know that's a that's a descriptor that has uh, gender overtones, but she's very. They, they took her personality and they sort of dialed it up and she's very confrontational with everybody and it's just it, it, she's very, it turned she turned me off of her character a little bit in this issue I didn't like being around her um, I thought she was being very disrespectful to a bunch of people who just lost their friend and in Batman's case his surrogate son and it just it's kind of a little annoying and I just didn't like her in this issue at all okay. so that was that was good but the issue itself was good cool um, so the flash number nine came out and, and I'm, I'm on a bit of a flash kick cause I'm loving the TV show. And, uh, so far this, is the first eight issues of the series have been great. It's been Josh Williamson and, uh, Carmine DiGimenico just kicking butt. And the cover has got a, a, a great little Carmine to Carmine with Carmine DiGimenico, uh, doing an homage to the classic, uh, Carmine Infantino cover from flash number 123, the flash of two worlds. And, right. but, but as opposed to having Barry and Jay Garrick, uh, featured, they've got Wally West and Wally West, and um, and I laughed. I have to admit, I laughed when I saw the cover. Yeah, the cover was very clever, very funny. Um, unfortunately, the cover was the best thing about this issue because inside, once again, we see an artist getting swapped out, and and so instead of uh, Carmen DiGimenico, we got Jorge Corona, who's not bad, but as you after getting used to Carmen DiGimenico's art style in this book, I, this was like whiplash effect for me. Well, that's they've also had. Uh the other artist, the fill-in guy, the normal yeah. fill-in guy, who was I forget uh, Gooch or something like. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way when he comes on. I don't. I don't think the art fits the story. I thought the. I thought this issue was great from a story perspective. I thought it was um, important that the two Wallies meet. I, you know, it hadn't happened yet, and I thought that was a really their their, their interaction was great. And yeah. And now they're now there's hints they're bringing back Jay Garrick. That you know the 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 you know in the same way they hinted at on the TV show. All that stuff is great. And the more you can br- bring back to that old continuity, the better. But 
the, the art really did hurt. This, the this the art really hurt it, and I just hate the the Wally West conundrum. I know what I understand what they're trying yep. to do. I understand why, and I they're trying again. This the, the the DC rebirth is DC having its cake and eating it too, and that's what they're doing. Yep. But um, this is just very convoluted and confusing. But well, as we um, said before, if, if the if the new one just wasn't named Wally, it yep. wouldn't be so dumb. But it's dumb. Yep. It's it it's dumb. It's dumb. Yep. Make him give him a different name, and it's not dumb. Yep. But We're it's just, dumb. Yeah. So anyway, um, but that said, love the cover. So, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps number nine. Is Hal Jordan dead? I don't know. Did you read it? Yeah, I did. Yep. So he's been fighting Sinestro, and in the end, he sort of it seems like overloads his ring and blows yep. up the planet. He's on a Sinestro, yeah. and just as just as the Green Lanterns are coming to his rescue, and is yeah. he dead? Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell. I, I know that I know that he had he had he had channeled his willpower to make his ring, and so ver- therefore things are different. So I'm wondering, and then and when the planet blows up, it's in the the ring effect, um, similar to when the Death Star blows up in in the special editions of Star Wars, right. um, is in the shape of the Green Lantern logo. So um, I wonder, there's something more if he's now a part of the cosmos or who, who knows? I mean, we're, we'll find out. Um, I will say though, I feel like this whole time, this conflict has been going on between Hal and Sinestro and you've had guy who was under the control of the yellow lanterns. And now I guess he's become a yellow lantern and he's leading them. And then you had John Stewart leading all the green lanterns to go save them. And I feel like it's been the same page for three issues of John and all the green lanterns. Yeah, space fly a long way. Yeah. We're coming, you know, <laughs> and, <it's just> like, <laughs> and, and it just goes. And also it, all I can think about when reading this is that I hope they move on. Cause I'm really tired of the green versus yellow conflict and let's get something new going on just uh, for a couple issues yeah let's yeah. have him fight someone else yep, but exactly i i've enjoyed this series so far i did like it actually occurred to me while reading this that kind of nowhere else that i'm aware of is is this the main hero fighting his main villain yeah i don't think yeah so that was kind of it's kind of novel in that sense but yeah. uh he may be dead we'll find out next next month if it's guy Gardner and the green lantern core on the cover but yep. for now it's uh it's up in the air yep uh, so I realized without Josh here, I'm all alone in Star Wars corner. So Connor, yeah, bear with me. You stay in your corner. But Star Wars number twenty four continues what I think is the best arc of this of this run of this book so far. Um, ha, the whole gang, Han, Leia, Luke, Chewie, C three PO, R two, and Sana are all on the stolen Star Destroyer, and they're hurtling towards the planet that they're trying to save, and at the same time, this badass group of stormtroopers are on board trying to take the ship back, and turns out one of the stormtroopers has a lightsaber because he was a full throwback. He was on that. He was on Narshada when Luke was there, I think like 12 issues ago in the series. So I like the idea of a continuity within the continuity you know did like, luke leave his lightsaber behind no no the, the um there was a grokkus the hut collected jedi uh memorabilia collected jedi artifacts and had mm-hmm. lightsabers and the and had an arena where it was kind of I'm, now i'm telling you what the book was from a year ago but had an arena where people fought and they captured luke and threw him in there and the games master also had a um uh, lightsaber and turns out he's the guy who's dressed up like a stormtrooper here so how did I he see. become a stormtrooper in the past year who knows who cares he's working for the Empire. Empire. We get a lightsaber battle, um, and we also get uh, Han steering a Star Destroyer in between two other Imperial Star Destroyers and scraping them along the way, which is always good. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it, you know, like, and then uh, the issue ends with, with Vader's TIE Fighter. Uh, there's a big TIE Fighter X-Wing battle going on, and Vader swoops in, and now Vader's on the scene. So uh, it's, uh, I, can't, I gotta imagine this is all building to a big 25th issue, which I can't wait for. But. Is, this, uh, is there a cap on this book? I, I have not heard of one. I hope not. 
So, well, well eventually the, it has to. I want this book to never end, and Jason Aaron has to write it for the rest of his life. Well, I mean, I guess there was years between the story of, of yeah. Jedi yeah, and Empire. Yeah, we got three years, right? I mean, I mean, Star Wars and Empire. Yeah, yeah for, for whatever, I like it, you know, like it was three years between Star Wars and Empire coming out, so we assume three years took place in the in the Star Wars world, so I'll take three years of the stories. So I have to say, my only contribution to this discussion is that I over the weekend I rewatched uh, The Force Awakens, and I, I quite enjoyed it still. Yeah, yeah no, I've, uh, I've, I've watched it a couple of times. It's been pretty good. Yeah. So It's very good. Uh, it's awesome. Well, we do love Star Wars, and uh, if you love, if you the listener love Star Wars and all the great stuff that geek culture has to come, you're going to love our next sponsor. We want to thank Loot Crate for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. And listen, if you're on a quest for epic geek gear, housewares, collectibles, Loot Crate has got it. Uh, Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. Uh, if you're more of a fanatical fashionista, then try Lootware. <laughs> Uh, where they've got monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics with your favorite franchises. And if you want to get fancy, you can get an even bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. And I'm sure you guys have all heard about this. You sign up for the Loot Crate subscription service, you get a box sent to you in the mail, uh, and it's got awesome, cool swag with all the kind of uh, titles and properties and uh, IP that you enjoy as a comic book fan. Um, and this November, they've got a great theme for the next Loot Crate. It is magical. Uh, Loot Crate has cast a powerful ancient spell to deliver November's crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them, Big Trouble in Little China, and so much more. Uh, we're all excited for the upcoming Doctor Strange movie, which is getting tons of great reviews, and there's going to be some cool Doctor Strange swag in the November crate, so you don't want to miss it. So do not wait. You have until November 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe to ensure to get November's crate. Uh, when it's over, it's over. No more crate. Uh, they're going to move on to December, and you'll find out what that was. That was that one will be uh, at the end of the month. But until now, you want to get in on the magical crate. Go to lootcrate.com/ifanboy and enter code ifanboy to save three dollars off on any new subscription today. Uh, so it's a pretty good deal. Get on board. Lootcrate.com/ifanboy. Enter code ifanboy. We thank them for their support. Can we put fanatical fashionista on your business cards? I'm a fanatical fashionista. Uh, you know who's a fanatical group of people is the iFanboy patrons. Yes. And every week they go to uh, patreon.com slash iFanboy and they, they have their right as patrons to vote to add a book to, to, the, to the rundown. And this week the book that won is The Skeptics, number one, from Black Mass Studios, written by Teeny Howard with art by Devaki Niagi. And uh, I thought this was great. I really like. Wow, it. interesting. I thought this was like a first draft that should have had another draft to it. Oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't think this was very good at all. I thought, uh, I thought I thought it was a ton of fun. I don't know. I just thought maybe I was in the right mood or whatever. But this is a a period piece. You know, you get the sense that it's the '60s, '70s kind of time period, and the U.S. government is drafting a uh, a British man and an American woman who's who they believe have powers to help fight the the Russians who have powers, and it's a big mix up and. Uh, I just thought I thought it was. I thought well, it's not a mix-up. They're 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 con artists, sort yeah. of. They <laughs> they are conning the government. They're trying to show the government that the Russians don't actually have any psychics by pretending to be psychics themselves. Right. I just felt like it's a great high concept. If you pitched this book to me, I would say yes. Let's yeah. let's do that book. But I felt like the setup. There was not enough setup. Um, as you said, you don't know. I mean, it, despite yeah. other than the fashion, sort of. You don't really know when this is taking place or where. Um, there, I felt like the environments weren't that great in terms of the art. There weren't a lot of backgrounds. So it wasn't really like you could. There wasn't really a great sense of time or place. Uh, I thought the art was a little substandard professionally. Um, there's definitely skill here, but I think this art has a long, long way to go. Uh, 
I just felt like it was like you could have gone back and said you need to just do another pass on this. Well, yeah, but I could see I could see that, but I also think of you know when I think of artists of on the up and coming route, you know, and I've never heard of uh, Devaki Niyogi at all, but I you know like if you go back and look at Riley Rossimo's work, we talked about him earlier in the show when he first started. He's come a long way, you know. The 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 best oh obviously yeah yeah best way for these artists to get to get uh, better is through publishing and getting stuff done and you know and I think that I saw enough of a spark of energy and I agree with you yeah there were a couple of a couple of faces a couple of figures like there's a shot when the British guy's lighting a cigarette where his head is kind of wonky and you know like there are definitely um, some points where the art could be better um, I believe the president uh, the US president has a different head every time he's drawn but um, yeah but all, and also like for okay like for that I spent a long time trying to figure out if that was supposed to be a real president because yeah, yeah, I the art, the art yeah. didn't – I mean it's it's President Rockefeller, which means it's a different – it's an alternate world where Rockefeller was a president. Yeah. John D. Rockefeller. Not John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller. Who was the – was it John D. Rockefeller? No, that's their old – that's his grandfather. Who? Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson, Nelson Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Yeah, Nelly. Um, but I, I spent a long time – is that supposed to be Reagan? Is that supposed to be Nixon? I, I yeah. didn't know who – is supposed to be Kennedy? Like I couldn't figure out who it was supposed to be. They, they they could have referenced his name like that's what I mean like the script you, I, the script needed notes yeah to go back and say hey you know let, give us some give us some establishing information here yeah no was- I and I agree with that I definitely I st- I spent the first half of the book confused and not understanding where it was and actually when we got to the you know when they got to their briefing scene and we have the page of of the russian propaganda or whatever that i felt that that gave you know like it could have helped with some sort of prologue or some sort of like this is the setting but by the end of the issue i figured it out i was able to use the the fashion and the and the you know the the time period and the, the and all that sort of stuff to kind of go, okay this is where kind of where we are i don't know exactly but i got you know immediately got the sense that this isn't the world that we are, are using. they in the white house I don't think like, cause so. Because at no point they're meeting yeah. with the president. He's sitting behind a desk. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then, like, then there's Russian soldiers in the White House. Yeah. Like, I did not. That was weird. And then also, I'm just, I'm just looking at how few backgrounds there are. And yeah, I, I realize yeah. that a lot of artists don't do backgrounds. Yeah. But like, yeah. If you're trying to impress with an indie book, like, there are hardly any backgrounds. But it's, so, it's so funny because it's like, because, because the energy of this, and mainly, and mainly, I think it was through the story. Um, and the dialogue and all this stuff. I just, I just felt a, a, a strong flow of energy and excitement in it. Like I, like I got, I, I, once I figured out the premise and was kind of going with it, I was like, okay, cool. And kind of, you know, and you're right, as I'm looking at it, I'm seeing there are very few backgrounds and it's the kind of, you know, the, the inexperienced and or, or, or slash lazy kind of art approach. Um, uh, but that said, it, it you know, like I thought it flowed well for me, and I, I'm you know, like I want to read the next issue, so which is which is the challenge, you know. Well, like I said, I think the concept's a really good one, but yeah. uh, I just think the execution was, was this, not great. So Connor, we'll, Connor, but there's a there's a crazy wall. I I I, I enjoy a crazy wall. Yeah, I, I, when I saw I saw the crazy wall on the cover, but then the crazy wall is also in the issue. Um, and that was nice to see. And so I don't know. I think I think Cheney Howard uh, is going to be somebody who's going to do a lot of great work, uh, and this is probably just the beginning of that. So. Uh, uh, I don't know. I was excited about it. Okay, so ratings. 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 Give it a two. I give it a four. Sticking wow. with it. I'm sticking with it. No. All right, cool. All right. Well, thank you, patrons. Uh, and uh, we want to thank you even more. <laughs> yes. Uh, we like to thank some patrons every week on the show. Normally we do this at the end of the show. We figured let's let's bump it up and do it with, with the patrons book. We uh, thank our supporting patrons who go to patreon.com slash fanboy by, by giving them dumb superpowers. <laughs> and 
Josh isn't here, so we double up for each of us. The first patron we're going to thank is Tyler Olson. And Tyler can only see in reverse, uh, the negative reverse. So you like, you see like a negative photograph? Interesting. He sees only in negative color. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and, and that that effect, I mean, that that's how that's his sight. So he's that's a curse, really. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a curse. Well, some of these are curses. No, right? Yeah, some of these are heavy burdens, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. he 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 has a different way of seeing things. Sometimes you can pick up better detail that way, but ultimately, tragic. Much like Cyclops, who sees all in red. Right. Tyler sees all in negative. Wow. All so, right. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so next up, we have the enigmatic Dan. And we want to thank Dan for supporting us. And Dan might be an enigma by his name, but there's, there's no confusion <laughs> around his power. Dan can unlock any lock. That is actually a very good power. It's a very, very good power. There's no lock that can keep him in. So safes, all stuff things. So the question about Dan is whose side is he on? So does Dan unlock, is it like a skill, like he can pick it, or just like he touches it and it opens? Like, he, he, wa- he, yeah, he touches it and it just goes chick, and it, it does Oh, it does wow. Yeah, no, he's not a lock picker. It's a, it's a mental telekinesis with lock inner mechanism kind of ching. Yeah, so. Can he unlock the chains to my heart, Ron? Well, <laughs> I don't think anybody can, Connor, to be honest. <laughs> That's a good power. Yeah, but, and, and, but I, and I also like the, we don't know, I don't know whose side Dan's on. You know, he could use his power for good or power for bad. And so it's uh, up to Dan to let us know how he's using that power. All right. So let's thank Joshua a. S. Hill, who um, has unusually strong ankles. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's the, so he's, he, you know, he can hold up any weight. Like, you know, sometimes you go, you see somebody ice skating for the first time, yeah, and they their 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 ankles are wobbly because they're they're not used to the, the particular weight on that yep. particular type of uh, shoe. Yep, Joshua doesn't have that problem. All right, his his ankles are rock solid. Wow, and so he probably never he, never sprains them, couldn't break them, can't sprain them. So so listen, if you're if you're playing against them in hockey, you're not going to take them out of his ankles. No, because no, you're, no, you're going to the sticks going to his ankles. Knees. He's got normal knees. Just take him out the knees. Right. Well, sh- but don't tell me. Ankles, yeah. ankles. He's good. You could whack him. You could whack his ankles with a bat. Nothing would happen. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. We want to th- we want to thank our last patron, our good friend Christopher Albrecht, for supporting the show. And uh, Chris Albrecht's uh, power sums up in one word, Connor. Uh oh. Navigation. Mm, haven't we done the navigation power? Have we? No. Please tell me not. I was going to say he we- can, he can he know he can look at a map and figure out the right way to go. Well, that's a very specific navigational power. Yes. I don't think we've done that one. But we have, we've had, I think we, I don't have the spreadsheet open. But I think I'm, we I'm have opening it. the spreadsheet right now. Let's see. Oh, he says, we had a previous successfully navigates any and all narrow spaces. Yes. That was our good friend Bjorn Campbell, right? Yeah. And, um... There's a hole in the middle that didn't get updated, but... Okay, uh, so maybe not. But the whole thing about Chris is that he can, you've got to get to Cleveland. He can tell you exactly how to get there. Okay, so what we'll, here's what we'll do. We'll go back and check, and if we have done it before, then we'll do another one for Chris next week. The sad irony would be if I'm able to, uh, <laughs> if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm the one who did it the first dupe or not. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris could look at a map and be like, oh, you need to get to yeah. this place in 20 minutes? Well, here's the way to go. It's the shortest, yeah, the shortest way, point between two, uh, two lines. Chris knows how to figure sometimes, out how to get sometimes there. The short, sometimes it's the best route. So, like, yeah. he knows there's traffic on the short point. So you go around, he just... Right. And, instinctually knows exactly. i gotta get to big sir yep i know how to go and it's also an innate knowledge of uh construction 
and mm. any sort of slowdowns. Like, no, 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 you're not going to want to take the five. You're going to want to take the one one. Right. Because so. the car is broken down on the five. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's just, so he's in tune with the roads. Interesting. <laughs> well, thanks to Tyler, Dan, Josh, and Chris. They went to patreon.com slash ifanboy. They signed up to become members. We are less than $200 away from our next goal, Ron. Wow. That's exciting. That's so crazy. If you, so, uh, if, yeah, if you have not signed up uh, to become an iFanboy patron, you can, now would be a great time to sign up. Help us meet the next goal. Uh, how very NPR of us. But if you do that, we will be commissioning a new iFanboy t-shirt um, and relaunching the iFanboy t-shirt store. So, uh, you know, that's, that's a good goal to get. So if you want t-shirts, uh, now's a good time to get on board. So. Especially if you know if you've been holding out, yeah. we're real close. Probably ten more members can do yeah. it. Yeah, I can. I have faith in you. That'd be awesome. Uh, also, I think when it comes to support, you can do your Amazon shopping. That's another way to help the show. Many ways to help iFanboy, especially as the holidays are coming up. I'll, for all your holiday shopping, use the iFanboy uh, link. We appreciate that. Yes. Let's do a really quick email. We're running long. Lots of content this week. Marcus from Austin, Texas. I've been reading comics for 40 or so years. I don't really mind all the constant renumbering at first blush, but I feel it made it easy to reflect back on just a completed run and judge it in its entirety. This has made me aware of the comics as second act syndrome more than ever before, and some runs just seem to be utterly useless, Superior Iron Man, S.H.I.E.L.D., and the last shortened run of Uncanny Avengers. While others really shine, Thor, Silver Surfer, Ant-Man, and even the best stories don't seem to matter or contribute to the larger tapestry as much. This certainly makes me feel more disposable than ever, it makes them feel more disposable than ever. It makes me seek out the contained, complete stories served up by Image and other secondary publishers. Have you, know, have you noticed this at all? I'm not saying the stories are better or worse than ever, just that it's easier to see the threads in the fabric and which ones lead nowhere. I've been thinking about this for a year and through 10 Secret War miniseries of no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> so that's a good question. Do Is it easier to see that comics are all first and second act when they are constantly being rebooted number-wise? Number Absolutely. I think so. Yes. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I he's think, right. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I think he nailed it. Um, when, when, when the books aren't ongoing forever, it's harder to see if the stories are not ongoing forever, or these stories right. are ongoing forever. There, there was, there was really something special about the ongoing. Nat- we just we talked about it with Vision and Scarlet Witch, and and I, you know, I'm come from the X Men camp where you know the creative teams came and went but the narrative through line was pretty much solid from the late 70s until you know the the mid to late 90s that you know that's right. that's crazy and yes you yes it became convoluted and hard to jump on but when you jumped on and when it worked oh man you know and like and the thing was the, the X-Men books were the highest selling books in the late 80s early 90s you know like they were doing something right um and and it wasn't just having Jim Lee it wasn't just the artists i i think um you know, and and I don't know. It's tough. The, the the approach now, I'm not a fan. I, I don't know what I'm less. Okay, here's a question for you, Connor. Are All you right. more of a fan of rebooting rebooting a new volume of a series at number one, or mm-hmm. continuing the numbering but slapping on the number one story arc indicator like Marvel's <laughs> been doing? Like what you know, like almost what is worse, you know? Uh, I don't necessarily mind the number one story arc thing. It's yeah. fine. I don't necessarily mind the re- – I, I, I've been a long proponent of just doing re- you know, number, renumbering every year. Yeah. Uh, I, I've talked about it for years. But I think that requires a, a change in storytelling too yeah. though. Yeah. For instance, Vision was a self-contained 12-issue story at a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's, the problem is when Marcus says is when it's – a story that doesn't end and it just starts over again with number one. That's yeah. when it becomes a problem. I think comics, 
are better served storytelling wise when they tell complete stories. But I understand also that doesn't necessarily fit most of the stories being told. So I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. We always said that we used to say the Hellboy model was the way to go, and now that they're doing it, it's not necessarily correct for everyone. Yeah, what was was funny is that the the Hellboy model was the way to go in terms of storytelling, but definitely not the way to go for sales. You know, because that because well, Well, I don't know, but is it because it's Hellboy, or it's because the numbering? I don't know. Well, well, no, because I say I say the books that follow the Hellboy approach also didn't do very well. You know, it's 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 tough. I mean, but if Batman did it, or yeah, I mean, would it still sell? I don't I don't know that it's. Yeah. The model or the characters, you know? Yeah. The mod is it the model, the characters, or is it the creators and the story that's being told, you know? And like the problem, you know, that he pointed out with some of those, you know, kind of um utterly useless kind of ones, you know, like they, you know, the, I mean, the creators did what they could, but for whatever reason, the die that was cast, either the creative team or the point where those characters were or the story being chosen to tell, t- tell not everything's going to be a hit, you know? And, and I think but, that, I think that every publisher is trying to figure out what that alchemy is to make, you know, a, a, to make it work. And I don't think anyone's figured it out. Like there's a new paradigm at play, but nobody knows what it is. And the thing is, if you change your publishing model, you have to also change how you tell your story. You can't tell the stories in the same way, but also change how you're publishing them. And I think Silver Surfer works and Ant-Man worked. And I don't know about Thor, so I didn't read it because they were off to the side in their own telling their own thing. Whereas the ones that are all tied into like I was talking about Miss Marvel when they rebooted Miss Marvel and started over. They didn't they just kept telling the same story and it didn't really that didn't really work. Yeah. But Silver Surfer works great. Even though it's the same creative team, same characters, um, there's it's still it's uh, you know I'm wrong. I'm gonna contradict myself. I don't think they should have rebooted it because it's still the same story being told. Yep. But ultimately, it's in its own bubble, so that that it's, it can survive that way. I just think that if you're gonna reboot, you have to have a reason to reboot. Right. And if that's if that's because you just want to make more sales, then it's not gonna work storytelling wise. But if it's because you have a new vision of the character, a new creative team, a new direction, then that's totally fine. But uh, they haven't figured it out yet. You're right. All right. Well, good question, Marcus. Uh, If you've got good questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. And that's uh, where you can ask any question to your heart's content. We'll do our best to answer it. Uh, Please let us know who you are, where you're from, how long you thought about the question, uh, and uh, keep it short and sweet. Yeah. So yeah, so now's the 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 time of the show where we get, we we bring things down a little. Um, but we did want to mention it. Uh, we're we're a few days after the the sad passing of Steve Dillon, who is the yeah. uh, amazing artist behind Preacher, Punisher, as well as some other uh, Hellblazer, Hellblazer, all just great stuff. And and Steve Dillon was one of the uh, few artists that I think all three of us are had consensus on completely adoring. Um, yeah, he's 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 well, someone we all loved. Um, we don't have a ton of uh, inter- interaction stories about him. I don't know if you do, Ron, from your time at Image or not. But um, I mean, I only—I I think I only ever met him in person once, and that was way back in 2001 at our very first Comic Con, when back when you could you could get sketches for free from creators, in, and we went and got a sketch from him. He did a ballpoint pen, ball, ballpoint pen sketch of Cassidy for all three of us, and I, I remember we all. Uh, Marveling at it, he was he was just sketching in ball. He was sketching with a big pen, whereas everyone else was you know had like sharpies and another. He was just he was just sitting there. It was very Steve Dillon like he was he was, he was rumpled like he just woke up and he was sketching with a with a ballpoint pen. And I was gonna say uh, he was he was doing he was smoking cigarettes in between sketches, but I think it's more appropriate to say he was doing sketches in between smoking cigarettes. Right, um, so. 
But uh, yeah, no, and that's the thing. It's like he was at he's uh, you know I was at a bunch of cons that he was at. I, I traded words with him a handful of times, but not nearly enough. Um, and it just showed you know, and and it just said you know apparently this the the, uh, the cause of death was very sudden and, and unexpected. And and I know he was doing a lot to turn his health around. And uh, unfortunately, it had nothing to do with that. You know, he, he I believe it was appendicitis, right? It was um, yeah, it was appendicitis. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, Josh, this happened to Josh. This yeah. is the same thing. He just didn't he. He had a pain in his abdomen. He thought it was he was sick, and he didn't, you know, end up his pen, his appendix was ruptured. Josh had the same thing, and he had a pain in his appendix. He thought it was the flu. He stayed home for work for a couple of days, and then it didn't go away. So he went to the doctor, and he had a his appendix was about to burst. So I, the, the, that's the scary thing about appendicitis is that uh, it, it feels just like you're you're sick, and yep. then all of a sudden you're yeah. you're in big trouble, and that's a sad thing. Yep. Is that uh, it happened to Steve Dillon? So unfortunately, yeah, you you know. So he he but, will be he will be missed, but um, he leaves he leaves a great legacy, and uh, he's the, absolutely one of the uh, the all time greats in his work in um, preacher, and is now being immortalized on TV, which is great to see. And um, you know, it just it's it's really really sad that we're not gonna get more. He's in the middle of uh, doing the Punisher with Becky Cloonan, which I've been reading, yep. which is great. So yeah, so yeah, he had a key to cover this week. He had the six pack and dog welder cover this yeah. week. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, uh, our hearts go out to him, his family and friends, Garth Ennis, his, his best buddy, and uh, you know it's a sad, it's a sad week for comics as a, yeah. to lose a guy like that. Sad, sad week of uh, another sad week, and and it has been a, a rough, rough year. So uh, yeah. yeah, but but that said, we're gonna plug on because that's what Steve Dillon would want, as well as everybody else, uh, and that means that we've got more podcasts for you to listen to. Um, if you hadn't gotten it already in the feed, uh, this p- couple of days ago, our podcast review of Luke Cage, the Netflix series uh, uh, from Marvel and Netflix Studios, came out, uh, and me, Connor, and a surprise guest, and Josh Flanagan uh, talked about <laughs> Luke Cage and Harlem and Method Man and all that fun stuff. Um, so you can go check that out in the feed, right behind this show, yes. and. Uh- Right behind that show, maybe not right behind, but a couple shows back, you'll find Talks Blow with Mark Russell. That's what Josh talked to, the Flintstones writer, Mark Russell. He also wrote Prez. And uh, the Flintstones is the hot sort of uh, critics book right now. And everyone's talk- everyone who uh, is in that circle is talking about Flintstones. If you haven't read Flintstones, check it out and listen to the, part, the uh, Talks Blow with Mark Russell. And yep. you can find out where he came from. Uh, which is fascinating, and so I'm glad that Josh uh, had that conversation. That was great because Flintstones is excellent. Um, and then we've got upcoming podcasts. Uh, Doctor Strange is coming to theaters, and uh, very excited to be seeing it. And we're going to get some folks to talk about it. I'm not quite sure who. It definitely will be me, um, along with some other uh, fun folks to talk about the movie. Uh, so tune in for that. Uh, that will be coming up uh, shortly after the movie comes out. Uh, so it should be next week. Next week, yeah. I'm going. I'm going yeah. to see. It. I'm going to see it at the Alamo in Brooklyn. I'm very so excited. next next weekend you'll probably get the Doctor Strange show. Yep. Sometime in the next couple of weeks, we'll get a show about Batman Return of the Caped Crusader. I su- I assume I should probably get get the get the brain trust going on that. We haven't we haven't started talking about it, but it comes out it comes out November first on, on Blu-ray and DVD. And uh, we'll, we'll, we've talked about doing a review of that. We before Doctor probably after. Okay, it's just too much. The timing's too tight. But uh, all those shows we just talked about, you can find them at ifanboy.com. That's where you can go find those shows. You can listen to this show. You can comment on this show. Uh, you can talk about this week's books. You can find all of other podcasts. You can and you can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan at CS Kilpatrick and at Ronick. So 
Yes, and if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let your friends know about it. Uh, go to your comic book store. Tell them all about the great podcast you listen to. Uh, and go to iTunes and write a review or any other service where you find our name. Write a positive review. We appreciate everybody who says kind things about uh, this podcast and everything we do. We, we, you make it, make it worthwhile. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, hopefully, Josh, uh, hopefully the, the, poli- the police will find Josh uh, in one piece. Uh, so tune in until next week to see if Josh survives. Until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I guess that's it.